This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Well, hey, Pastor TJ is in Africa right now on a, on a missions trip, and he's doing some pretty cool things, but he emailed me. It was morning time, his time, but it was like one o'clock in the morning here, but it was like seven, his time, and he emailed me, he's like, Shayla, I'm speaking at this really big church in Africa, and I am super nervous. Can you please pray for me? But the time I got up, it was like probably 12 o'clock his time, so I was like, Lord, I hope he did good, you know? (laughs) I'm sure he did great, but he um, is excited to be in Africa. He's doing some pastor's training and, and some different things over there, and he is bummed that he misses you guys this week, but we have an incredible person in to bring the word today. And these are people that have been incredibly influential in TJ and I's life. They've, they've prayed for us, they've encouraged us, they've given so, us so many wonderful things as a couple and just providing their support and friendship to us. And that's Pastor Bernard and Liz Scott. And this morning, Pastor Bernard has an incredible message to bring to us this morning. I sat through first service and I was like, oh, I can't even wait for second service. So I'm super excited for you guys to be this morning and to hear from Pastor Bernard. So if you guys will just join with me in giving him a warm coastal welcome. All right, man, (laughs) it's so good to be here in the house here at uh, Coastal Community. You guys have incredible pastors in TJ and Shayla, man. I love them big time. You're blessed. And uh, as you can tell, my voice is hanging on by a thread, but we're going to get through this. We're going to preach, and there is a black preacher in the house. So y'all just put your seatbelts on and uh, get ready. I got to lay down the rules for you so that you can, um, you know, arrive to your destination safely. You are allowed to talk back to this preacher. So if I start preaching and you liking what I'm saying and you're feeling the mm, mm out of that, you just go ahead and say, uh-huh, say amen, say all right, preach, preacher, go ahead now. And if you have a hanky, a Kleenex, whatever, feel free to wave it and be like, oh, mm, yeah. That's just, that, that just ministers to a brother right there. I'm just wanting you to know. All right, so I don't know what your church background is, but you are more than welcome to talk back during this next 30 minutes as we present the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, feel free, all right? That's it, amen, right there, see? Now, one of the things that will happen is this will be the shortest black preacher sermon that you will ever hear, right? So, (laughs) enjoy it. Um, One of the things that, uh, in preparing this message, I was reminded of a story, uh, and it was of a, a single mom. She had two boys. One was eight and one was 10. And she had trouble with these boys because they were, you know, pretty mischievous. And so they were always getting in trouble in the town that they were at. And so the mom being at wit's end, she said, okay, here's the deal. I've got to find somebody that can get to my boys. So she takes them, she gets to the pastor and she says, pastor, can you meet with my boys, please? They are just tearing up our town. And so he says, okay, I'll meet with them, but I'll meet with them one at a time. And so he gets the eight-year-old, and he gets, sits the eight-year-old down in his office, and he leans over, and he looks at him, and he says, son, where is God? And the boy's mouth dropped in astonishment. He was like, <gasps> The pastor looked at him again, a little bit more sternly. Son, where is God? The boy is still frozen in astonishment. 
just complete amazement. So now the pastor's like, son, where is God? And the boy took up, jumped out of his seat, screaming, ran out of his office, ran all the way home, got in his closet, slammed the door. Nobody could find him. And finally, his older brother finds him hiding in the closet. And he says, what are you hiding for? What happened? And he says, we're in big trouble now. He said, why? He said, God is missing and they think we did it. That's funny. I'll hear what you say. And you say, well, why? Well, what does that have to do with the message? This is what has to do with the message. Have you ever been at a spot in your life where traumatic things have happened and you said, where is God? Where it seems like God is missing in your life. Where things have happened and you're going through something and in the middle of that you feel like God is nowhere around and you, ask, you start asking questions, what have I done to, to, to be in this position where God's not here for me? Where are you, God? And a lot of times when you're in those situations, you may not admit it, but you get offended at God. And that offense causes you to begin to live a life pattern that is opposite of his best for you because you're offended at him. And so then you begin to go through religious duty because you know it's the right thing to do, but really deep down in your heart, you have this offense, and that offense prevents you from walking in the fullness of God. And I want you to know something. Here's the good news. God is a big boy, and he's okay with you being offended, but you got to get over it. Because he promised in his word that he would never leave you. He'd never forsake you. He was there when it happened, and he's done more for you. Things that you couldn't even see, he was providing. See, I know this by experience. Why? I was molested as a kid. And I could have gone my whole life being mad at God and wondering why he let this happen to me instead of realizing that God has taken me from, I could have been a statistic, but now my life is serving purpose for the kingdom. And he's taken me all around the world serving him and doing great things for him. I am not a victim, but I am an overcomer. He wasn't missing. He was there all the time. God's never missing. And so as I begin to share this word with you, I want to read, begin to read out of a portion of scripture found in John chapter one. And I'm going to ask you to do something with me. There's a lot of things that we stand for in our, in our culture, in our country. One, we'll stand for the Pledge of Allegiance for our flag, stand for dignitaries or important people. I think it's time for us to start standing for the Word of God. So we stand and say, you know what, Holy Spirit, I'm going to honor you. God, I'm going to honor you. So I'm going to ask you, you to stand with me as I read this portion of Scripture. Now, I'm not going to read the whole chapter so you don't have to stand long, because I know that in America, we, we won't walk to church, we won't do jack if it ain't convenient. <laughs> where TJ's at, they will walk hours to get to church. Well, that's a whole nother sermon. Bless TJ, God. He's a good man. I'm going to read out of John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5 and verse uh, 14. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. 
Notice that. It says, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen his glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to present your word. We stand in honor of you and invite the presence of Holy Spirit to open our ears, to open our understanding, to bring revelation and enlightenment and to challenge us to become and to receive all that you have for us. We honor you today and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Throughout our culture, throughout our society, throughout our world, throughout the universe, there is a specific number, three, that kind of holds everything together. Three is very important. It takes three lines. They're necessary to form a planned figure. There's three dimensions of length, breadth, and width. They're necessary to form a solid. Everybody say three. Therefore, three stands for that which is solid, which is real, which is substantial, which is complete, and which is entire. All things that are specially complete are marked with this number three. God's attributes are omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotence. And then we see that there are three, three great divisions dividing time. There's past, present, and future. We know that in him we live, we move, and we have our being. There are three persons in grammar that express and include all the relationships of mankind. Thought, word, and deed complete the sum of human capability. When we turn to the scriptures, this completion becomes divine and marks divine completion or perfection. What I love about the number three, because we know that we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's a completeness there. We, as human beings, are made up of body, soul, and spirit. There's a completeness there. You were created and made literally in the image of God, three in one. And so in that completion, in that perfection, the enemy decided that he would Go ahead and come in, and, and he, have, he may have wreaked havoc in your life at some point or other. But he comes in, and he tries to unravel what God has put together by doing three things. There are three temptations that he provides. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the three things that he does to alter what God has wanted to do in your life or to change what God has wanted to do in your life. In 1 John chapter 1, to, uh, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. We see this take place in Genesis. At the very beginning, there's a garden. God creates this garden. And he places man, Adam and Eve, in this garden. When he places them in the garden, he says, hey, look, out of all the trees in the forest, he says, look, you can eat of everything except for that one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that one. But you can eat of everything else. You say, well, why is that important? 
I want you to use your imagination if you have one. All these trees, you've seen a tree. Now, he told them they can eat from them. So that means that these trees had fruit on them as well. So the tree of life actually had fruit on it that they could take and eat and live. The tree of knowledge of good and evil had fruit on it that they could actually eat, but God said, don't eat of that one. And this is what happened. We know that Satan comes, and when he comes at them, he comes at Eve with with these three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, God had given her, uh, them a specific word. He spoke to them, and he said, hey, this is what I want you to do. He talked to them. They had a relationship. But somehow in that communication, there was a breakdown when she was asked to recommunicate what God had said. Now, here's something very significant that you have to understand. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the reason why God didn't want man to take it, partake of it, because he said, you'll surely die. What he was saying is that you can accumulate all of the knowledge in the entire world and still not make heaven. You, knowledge in itself has no sustaining power eternally for you. There is no way that knowledge in itself, if, if you begin to take knowledge, imagine a tree, you eat out of this tree and the root system is based in you. The knowledge of good and evil, which means this, you can partake of that tree in life and you can produce even Christianity out of that tree because you know the right thing to do. You know the good things to do. You know the bad things to do. And so you apply that knowledge and you try to live off of that knowledge. Well, I think I should do this. And here's the bad part about that too. Listen to this. Is that there's so much knowledge out there. If you're a man pleaser, you'll try anything just to make sure that you're okay with everybody. That knowledge, the knowledge Whatever knowledge you grab a hold of, and you try to live by that. No, let's say it's even, let's say it's dieting, no matter what it is. You've been trying to lose weight for years. And so you take all of this knowledge, because there's a ton of books. There's a ton of self-help stuff. And you go and you start taking all of this knowledge and knowledge, and you're, feeding, and you're trying to live by knowledge, and you're trying to live by knowledge, and you're absolutely miserable because it ain't working for you. It works a little bit, and then all of a sudden you're back in the same. Have you ever been there? Is that just me? But this is what I learned, is that one word from God out of the tree of life can literally change and transform your life completely in a moment of time. Whereas you can accumulate all this knowledge, and that's what God knew. He says, if you eat out of this tree of knowledge, you're going to always be looking for knowledge to save you, and knowledge can't save you. He, God, is, represents all, he knows everything. He knows everything and and will know everything. And therefore, this is what's more important, is that I know him and not try to know everything. (laughs) If I, that's what I'm talking about, good stuff. If I just know him, I'll be all right because he knows everything. Have you ever known anybody that's always, they have an answer for everything, they just know it all? As much as we may know, we still don't know anything compared to him. (laughs) Moving right along. All right, so 
this is what happens. He comes to Eve and he says, hey, it's, it's, here's, some, here's some fruit. It's good for food. It's pleasant to the eyes. And it's desired to make one wise. And she bought into it. And so this is what happened. God said, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. Somebody say freely. But in repeating this, have you ever played that game where you're in a room with a bunch of people and you whisper to one person something and by the time it gets to the opposite end of the room, it's completely different? Ever played that game? And that's how gossip works and all of that. This is exactly what happened in Genesis. God has a personal conversation with Adam and Eve. Satan challenges her and she leaves out one word, but that one word makes a huge difference. God said, you may freely eat of every tree. She leaves out the word freely, which made God appear less bountiful than he was. Made it appear that God was somehow stingy. Have you ever told your kids, don't touch that, and what do they do? That one thing. They have all of this stuff. But then they go to the one thing that you say not to, and it was for their protection. You told them not to do it. Not because you were being mean and stingy and trying to keep something from them. I want you to know God is not trying to take anything from you. He's trying to get something to you. That's what he's trying to do. So she left out that word. She took from the word of God. Then the second thing happened. God had said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. But in repeating this, this is what Eve did. She added the words, nor shall you touch it, making God to be appear more severe than he was. She added this word, nor shall you touch it, which gave the impression. Now, this is, happens all the time in, in, in Christianity or just life in general. If you've ever watched Christian TV, if you've ever uh, watch, you know, you stayed away from Christianity just because you thought you heard, or you not thought, but you saw some crazy preachers. Or you saw a bunch of rules. You saw a bunch of things that you were like, eh, I don't need all of that. This is what has happened. I grew up like this. So I grew up in a black church. And in a black church, it was crazy. It, it really wasn't church. It was entertainment. That's why, uh, to me, it was. I mean, anytime you go to church and you see people running around and running in the wall, screaming and jumping over pews and running, tripping and falling, busting their head open. I had one lady, it was so funny, man. She got up every service. She would sit in the same seat. That's one thing about religion. You get stuck in a rut. She had to sit in her same seat. And if somebody sat there, her attitude got so bad, she would even cuss people out for sitting in her seat. Like, oh, yeah, you real saved. Anyways, um. But it was so funny, this black church. I don't, even, I, don't even, I don't know why I'm telling you this. But she would sit in the same seat, and at a certain point, the same song would be sung every week. And at that point in the song, she would jump up and scream. Ah! And then she'd start jumping. Pop, 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 pop. Now, this was an old church, and it had them, like, cork tile floors. And over the years, it just kept wearing thin. And she had, and everybody's just watching her, and then all the ushers gather around her and try to keep her from bopping somebody upside the head. And one service, I'll never forget it, because as a kid, we would just be laughing, right? One service, she got up, and she said, ha, boom, her feet went right through the floor, just whoop. And 
she's in between the basement and the, and the floor, and her legs are in there, and she ain't even stopped. She just, ah, ah, and her legs can't move, but she just hollering. She was a big lady. I remember all the ushers like, don't let her fall in the basement. You know, they're trying to hold her up. It was church attainment back then. I don't even know why I told you that, but it was funny. But this is what happens. A preacher will get up, and God gives him a personal conviction. He tells him, for instance, I'm going to use this example. Don't. I need you to stop drinking Coke. Coca-Cola. Not good for you. If, you're, if a pastor's doing Coke, yeah, there's a problem there, too. But anyways, um, I actually served one of those pastors before. So it, it, was, it was issues. He still hasn't recovered. But if he did, the Lord tells me, he says, stop drinking Coca-Cola. I don't have nothing against Coca-Cola, all right? Y'all, I'm just using it as an example. So if you drink Coke, don't feel convicted. But in church attainment, he would get up and, and apply these rules that are not in the Word of God. He just added, he just, I'm just going to add to the Word of God and say, you know, in, in, in the black church, it'd be like, mm, so I want you to know you need to stop drinking Coca-Cola because when you drink Coca-Cola, it's going to rot your insides out. Yeah, right? So that's how they did it in the black church. And all these people were like, yes, yes, stop drinking Coca-Cola. Yes, glory to God. <laughs> so they apply these rules. You know, guys can't have facial hair. This is how it was when I was growing up. Women can't wear pants, no makeup. And I'm sorry, y'all. Sometimes people need a touch-up. No, I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> the barn needs a new coat of paint, something. I don't know, whatever. I'm just I'm teasing. You are beautiful just the way you are, right? You're beautiful. But we'll add to the word of God and we make it say things that it didn't say. We add to God's word and look, what God said, he meant and you don't have to add to it. Then the third thing that happened is God had said, he said, you shall surely die. But in repeating this, Eve altered it and she said, lest ye die which this weakened the certainty of the divine threat into a contingency. Like it could, possibly could die, but I'm not sure. And I want you to know, when God says it, he means it. So you fast forward and you, you, you go to the New Testament. Now the word of God becomes flesh, the son of God. Jesus manifests on the earth. He was the word. He was with God in the very beginning as we, as we read. Now he manifests, becomes human. And as a human being, he steps onto the scene. He gets baptized by John the Baptist. And when he gets baptized, all of a sudden this voice comes out of heaven. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. It was the voice of God. Jesus goes into the wilderness. When he gets into the wilderness, the same devil that appeared to Adam and Eve appears to Jesus. And this is what he says to him. He says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to turn to bread. Now, here's a lesson for you. Whenever God speaks to you, the enemy will immediately come to try to do three things. Take from the word of God, add to the word of God, or alter the word of God. Those are the three things he's going to come and do. Try to take from, add to, 
or uh, alter, change it. Those are the three things he's going to do. So he immediately, remember, God speaks. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The devil heard that word. So his temptation was, if you are the son of God, Jesus wasn't claiming to be the son of God, even though he was. He didn't say nothing. Devil heard it and came to challenge that word. And he says to him, if you're the son of God, turn this. And and this is what Jesus said. He said, it is written all three times. Because he came with with three different things, right? Lust of the flesh, the uh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those were the three things that Satan came to him with. And Jesus' response all three times was an answer, was an example to us. And he said, it is written. It is written. Now watch this. These are words on a page. God never intended for you to have a relationship with these words and not have a relationship with him. There is a person behind these words. So you can read this and read it and read it, but if you don't know the word, this won't mean anything to you. You won't understand it. That's it. Tell it like it is. You will not understand. If you're having a hard time understanding the word of God when you read it and you open it, you say, I just don't get it. Listen, it's okay if you go, Lord, I don't understand the word. And you know what he'll do? He'll say, listen to me. He will help you to understand this contract. Because that's all this is. Listen. Adam and Eve had a direct word from God. There used to be a day. There was a day when your word was as good as gold. It was your bond. You can make a deal with somebody just by shaking hands and committing that you'll be there. Those days are far gone. You can't even get people to come to church on time, right? So that's, <laughs> oh, I'll be there. Mm. Anyhow. So this is what happens. God communicates with them face-to-face. And they violate his word. They violate the verbal contract. So God says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my word, I'm going to put my promises on paper. I'm going to put it down so that they can see I mean what I say and I say what I mean. And they'll see what my end of the deal is that I'm committing to. And he will always follow through with what he said. So he put it here so that it can't be misinterpreted. So that it can't be misunderstood. So when God speaks to you and he says something to you, you will be able to find it somewhere written down that he will come through for you. All right? And so what Jesus did is he didn't even respond to Satan asking him, well, if you're the son of God. He knew he was. He didn't have to respond to that. He just said, it is written. It is written. I will not add to it. It is written, I will not alter it. It is written, I will not take from the word of God. There are five things I want to give you. Five benefits to being in the word. Now listen, I want you to see this visually. See the word of God as something that you get into, like a vehicle. See yourself getting into the word Close the door, lock it behind you. The reason why it's important to see that 
is because the enemy will try to steal dreams from you. God spoke something to you years ago, and because all these life circumstances, you've given up on it. God hasn't given up on his word. Somehow you got out of the vehicle, and that vehicle's still ready to take you to your destiny. God sent his word, and it will do what he sent it to do if you just get in it and stay in it. God's word is like a vehicle. It will not return unto him void. It's going to accomplish what he sent it to do. So all you have to do is stay in the word. Stay in him. Stay in Christ. I can't emphasize it enough because treacherous times are here and even more treacherous times are coming. And no matter what comes our way, if you stay in the vehicle of the word, you stay in him, I guarantee you will be all right. He'll protect you. He'll keep you. So here's the first benefit. Number one, peace. Peace. Peace is offensive. It's not defensive. I'm going to say that again. Peace is offensive. Meaning that when chaos is all around you, all you have to do is say peace. And peace comes in and kicks everything that is, opposes it out of the way. It's offensive. It's not this passive thing that just says, okay, oh, God, I'm scared. No, peace is not scared of nothing. It will keep your mind sound. It will keep fear out. Peace. So this is what the word says. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they who love your law. Nothing shall offend them or make them stumble. The second thing it provides is prosperity. And I'm not talking about financial prosperity. Even though God will bless you, here's the deal. The vehicle of his word, when you get in God and you stay in him, no matter what God calls you to do, he will provide for you because that vehicle is the provision. It's written in the contract that God will provide for the plan that he has for your life. But he will also provide physically, emotionally, and spiritually. There's three again. He'll make sure that you have an abundance. You can have all of the money in the world and still not have what's really important. You can have all the money in the world and not have peace. Have all the money in the world and not have joy. Have all the money in the world and your family still gets destroyed and separated. But if you stay in Christ, if you stay in him, you stay in the word, I'm telling you, he will provide and make your way prosperous. In Proverbs 3, 1 and 2, it says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. The third thing, prolonged life. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 10, My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. Anybody up for a good, long life? The fourth thing is productivity. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 and 3. It says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. You stay in the word and you will always be productive and fruitful. And the last thing, plain paths. God will make sure that you have divine direction 
all the time. You stay in, you'll never be lost, you'll never be confused, you'll never wonder what's supposed to happen now. God will always keep you in perfect peace and make sure, because this is what the word says. It says in Psalms 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In the middle of darkness, you stay in the word and your path will always be lit. Where everybody else is trying to find their way and they're looking to drugs, they're looking to relationships, they're looking to alcohol, they're looking to all of these things to fill their way and to find their way. God says, if you stay in my word, your way is lit. It's a path in the middle of darkness. I don't know where you're at, but I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. I want you to ask the Lord this question. God, is my heart right with you today? And if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to trust him today. I'm not going to waste any time. You know who you are. If you want to give your life to him today, on the count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three. Just lift your hand and say, yes, I want to give my life to him. Awesome. If you lifted your hand or should have lifted your hand, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I trust you today. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Thank you.